Hello and welcome to episode 131 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with Phil Fariska. Welcome back, everyone. And Melissa Kavanaugh. Howdy ho. And I'm warning you guys now, she is on a rant today. So be, be. Buckle in. Be ready for this. And then the return of Alyssa Fate. Hello. How's it going, Alyssa? Good. You were Very sta- close. I can kick Melissa under the desk if she gets too ranty. That, that will be our signal, Melissa, for you to stop ranting. Okay. Okay. And Alyssa, you are uh, uh, replacing Pete today, but I'm not going to ask you to do the, the live jingle for the newsaroos. I'll, I'll leave that to Melissa if that's okay. And, Pete, and Phil, I'm going to have you do the stat of the week if that's okay. I can handle it. All right. You can push a button. See, we, we can survive without Pete. He doesn't think we can, but we can. So, no bees will be murdered today. <laughs> <laughs> that That is a promise that we can make. What we cannot promise is that Melissa won't murder someone today. It's, mm. It is quite possible. So enough teasing. Let's, t- let's, let's talk a little bit about what we're going to be discussing on the show today. This episode has been inspired by a lot of recent events, not one in particular, but frustrations that we have. So for those that you don't know, Fuel is is both a software provider, so we have technology like booking engines, CRMs, mobile apps, stuff like that, but we're also an agency, a marketing services provider. So a lot of times our clients will use our agency services and not necessarily use our software. So we, we have to integrate and interface with a lot of other booking engine providers. And uh, some of them do an excellent job. Some of them, what would you say, Melissa? How would you categorize it? They suck. Okay. So some of them are, are a little below our expectations, one might say. <laughs> or they suck. Or they suck. Um, so, you know, and, and some of those are, are some of the big guys that you would not assume have limitations, but they really do. And, and people have used their booking engine for years. And the purpose of this show isn't to say, hey, you need to use the fuel booking engine, although that would be awesome. It is, we think it's time for a lot of people to evaluate or reevaluate their, their booking engine experience you know, it's integrations, a lot of different things related to it. And, and just pose the question to yourself. You know, it's the start of a new decade. It's the start of a new year. And it's this is the time when you can reflect and look and say, hey, can I do better than I'm doing right now? So that's that's going to be the topic. And we, we will have a couple of stats of the week in a sec to, to back up why we're talking about that. But before we do, see what's going on in the news news with hotel marketing that cannot lose now it's time for news a ruse do you think we should tell pete he's fine sure absolutely i, I like I, I feel like melissa has a better tone she does and pete always throws in different words or inflections he changes it up too much yeah <laughs> she did, does that upset you she, she did she elongated one of the syllables as well in that though so yeah but hers yeah. just sounds a little improvisation going on there. yeah it's i right. like it it was good Way better than I could do, for sure. <laughs> That's definite. All right, so what news do we have today? I got one. Um, it was a Search Engine Land article about a presentation Rand Fishkin cave um, about how 2020 is going to become the year where Google goes from everyone's search engine to everyone's competitor. And I think we've seen this in the hotel space specifically, which they do touch on in this article. But, um, you know, Google, Google was the way to go find a bunch of sources to help you pick a hotel and now with their zero click search essentially booking directly through google they're taking that away from us and and they're becoming the place to 
purchase as well as search. So no one's visiting your website. Yeah. Just kidding. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. not there. It's okay. Uh, this, uh, I looked through all the slides for his presentation. I haven't actually seen him present it, but just reading through the slides. And I've got a couple of presentations coming up at uh, some events. One is HSMEI in, in a week or so, and then one is going to be at the Navigate conference in, in March as well. But I'm talking a lot about Google, and I'm going to borrow a lot of the data and the information that, that Rand, and by borrow, I mean steal the information that Rand talked about, because it is really scary and very overt what Google's trying to do. I mean, they really are trying to get deeper into the value chain in every opportunity that they can. They strive to be the end game. They want to be the beginning and the end. It is it, the alpha and the, the omega. The yes. Hence yeah. the alphabet. Yeah. Yeah, it's really scary. I think, you know, at some point legislation is going to come in or some monopolies commission is going to, you know, cut them off at the knees a little bit. They're going to have to because really they're in such a position of power. They have so much leverage. It's really, really hard to fight against it. You know, I, I have some tactical things I think you can do as an individual business. And, and maybe we'll save that for another whole full episode, I think, in the upcoming months. But yeah, you've got to pay attention to Google and make sure you're not putting all your eggs in that one basket. And I think just to, you know, give you a couple of little things, you should absolutely be focusing on your guest right now and the, the relationship you have with your guest and how you communicate with your guest. Because if you don't, if you leave that up to Google to control and, and your guest has to go back to Google, one of the things Rand said in his presentation, which I think is kind of a light bulb moment for a lot of people is, your website is not your homepage anymore. Google is your homepage now. And so you've really got to think through not just an SEO strategy, but a SERP strategy, the search engine results page strategy. How can you present yourself in, in the best possible light? And he showed some egregious things that Google are doing. For example, Nintendo is notorious for not bidding on their brand. So Google is now changing the SERP for the results for keywords related to Nintendo to show competitors, to show people that are wow. selling products and things related to Nintendo in diminishing the amount of organic traffic that their website will actually Essentially get. forcing them. Yeah. Forcing them to do it, you know? And, and there, there were some other examples where outright competitors were getting better exposure on a brand keyword than the brand itself because the person wasn't bidding on their own keywords so. well i mean and we see it in the hotel space with google hotel ads it's almost inevitable that everyone will have to participate in this uh, right now they're they're kind of eliminating traffic to the otas by doing what people go to otas for and it's it's price matching all right who's got the best rate for this room that i'm looking for for these dates google shows it right in the search result and then they can visit you know purchase directly through google rather than you know, come to come yeah. to the website. Google is no longer your friend. Click Maybe it never and, has yeah. been your friend, but they they certainly don't care about your business as much as they care about you know how much money they're getting from you. But more importantly, they care about the consumer, and they believe. And I've heard this straight from the horse's mouth. That representative from Google Travel was at the Book Direct Summit that Triptease puts on last year, and and literally said to the audience in public that the reason they're doing book on Google is because they believe they can offer a better experience for the guest to book a hotel room than the hotels can in a lot of well, cases. Well, we've said it before. Look what they did with flights. I mean, mm -hmm. this is it's it's coming for hotels. So like Stuart said, uh, make sure that you're the one communicating with your guests through email, through text, through whatever means necessary that can 
you know, keep them in your funnel always rather than rather than sending them back through Google. Mm-hmm. And maybe part of the reason Google thinks that is because your booking engine sucks. <laughs> nice segue. I think I was just going to say I, when when Google took that do no evil out of their mission statement, that was uh, that was the big downturn. <laughs> All righty, so let's let's jump into the topic at hand. We're talking about booking engines. Uh, so I think we have some stats of the week. Good job, Phil. You you make a good stand in with your beat bops. I can press a button. <laughs> nice. Oh, you didn't do that with your mouth? <laughs> no, I'm not that good. I thought you were doing an impression of Pete doing the sounds with I'm his not mouth. Not the Police Academy guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right. I have right. I have one. Uh, so this was from Focusrite, and Focusrite says that in Europe the travel market grew roughly two percent in 2019 to 296 billion euros, and 2019 was the first time that we saw online platforms outpace offline platforms for bookings. So meaning that more bookings are coming through the website than through the call center. Well, online in general, but yeah. yes, through a website yeah. versus a phone. Yeah, and we, we've seen this in the North America for a while, at least with our clients, primarily independents. You know, it, it's teetered around that 50% mark, but right. but it has you know gone past it. But over half of the bookings are coming online, and I think that number is going to continue to increase. And in some cases, we see it's extremely higher than that. But yeah, online and offline, they need to be thought of together in one holistic way, but it, it reinforces the importance of your online booking engine for sure. So what other data do we have and from what source, Melissa? Well, the other piece of data that we have is that 50% of hoteliers are not satisfied with their current booking engine provider. And that is from the one and only fuel technology tra- study that we oh, have that, done. That, that, those fine award-winning podcasters at Fuel put out last year. That's, yes. a, that's amazing. So that means half, the one in two, Every other person listening to this, on average, is not satisfied with their current booking engine. That's sad. That's really sad. Very sad. And if you are satisfied, listen to this podcast and you won't be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we don't guarantee satisfaction at all on this podcast, but um, hopefully we'll get you thinking. Um, but before before we do jump in, I do want to say a thank you, shout out to our friends at Navis and Steve Johnson over there. We... This, this episode is powered by Navis in a way, not because they're sponsoring it, because we don't allow sponsors, but they sent us a nice bottle of uh, Pinot Noir that we're all slurping down as we speak. So yes, for once, I get to have some alcohol. Yeah. So when we shouted out to people they this. should send us wine, Navis obviously were listening. It was a thank you for something we did for them, but we definitely appreciate it. So if anyone from Navis is listening, thank you so much. Uh, when, it's delicious. In, about 30 minutes from now when we're all slurring our words is because of the wine that that Navis provided. So thank you, Navis. And if anyone else wants to send us wine, then, then we'll definitely, it will be put to good use. Let's put it that way. All right. So let's jump in. How do we want to frame this thing, Melissa? This is yours. We don't want to be too ranty. We want it to be productive. We want people to, to leave the show, not thinking, wow, Melissa's a total. Mm-mm. That's okay. If they think that but, though, I'm all right. Cause you're not, you're really nice, but there's certain things that burn your buttons. And I your have had a lot of my buttons burned in the past couple of months. And, uh, so we put this together so that maybe this will help you make better decisions in your life, make good life decisions. Yeah. We're, we're, life, we're a life coach for you <laughs> and your booking engine. So let's, let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. Um, and that is, 
where you should always start, which is thinking about analytics. Because right? it starts with A. Yeah. Well, alphabetically, but also I would argue it's probably, you know, very important. Let's assume that your booking engine is going to work from a rates and inventories perspective. So let's talk about analytics. Right. So does your booking engine actually provide you with the analytics you need? I'm shocked at how many don't. I never thought I would see the level of just terribleness that we have seen. But, so the question you need to ask is, well, does it have the ability to integrate at all with either Google or Adobe Analytics? Hopefully the answer is yes. If the answer is no, please start shopping for a new booking engine. Yeah, we, we had a, a situation recently where it was a booking engine that did not allow any kind of analytics to be integrated into the booking engine. And they claimed that it would break PCI compliance, which is ludicrous to me. That, that is a nonsensical argument. Yes. Yeah. You have to, if you're a marketer, you have to be making decisions based on data. And so analytics is critical in your booking engine. You should be able to tell at this point, every penny you spend, what the source is, how much revenue is generating. Yes. So if the answer is yes, which hopefully it is, then the question we want to ask is, well, how does that integration happen? And there's a number of choices that could happen here. Before you get into those options for implementation, does your booking engine provider offer documentation on their analytics? <laughs> That's also a good question. <laughs> And if so, in that documentation, does it say one of the following things? That one, you as the hotelier or as a marketing agency partner going to provide them with just your, here's my Google Analytics account, you work your magic, just make it work. Or are you going to get some sort of back-end access to the booking engine where you can copy and paste a script somewhere? Or... Option three would be super fancy, but really not at this point in 2020 where the booking engine provider would give you access to a tag manager account where you can do all the things you need to do simply. Or do we need to provide them a script for them to implement somewhere? Or the last option, and this has happened, I'm not making this up, do you have to provide every detail to them of how to make their booking engine work so that analytics will track? Alyssa, kick her, quick, kick. <laughs> this is a rant. <laughs> All right, so obviously... It's happened. So, so obviously, you know, a lot of the PMS companies will offer their own booking engine, and, and they, they tend to be the ones that aren't as sophisticated from, from an analytics perspective because they're not looking at a booking engine as a marketing tool where you need data. They're looking at it as an extension of the PMS. So I think they're, they're obviously often the culprits. But there are some of the more established ones that also suffer from these challenges where you have to send code or ask them to implement analytics, which is ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Most good booking engines today, as included will allow you to set it up very simply through Tag Manager or by giving an account ID, and it's done. Because all of the heavy lifting should be d the same for every client in terms of give people access to the document object model to, to be able to pull in any data that they want from any point within the booking engine. Exactly. So Tag Manager's revolutionized how analytics works. It gives you complete control or your agency complete control to track literally everything, every click, every result within the booking process. That's how it should be done today. If your booking engine doesn't allow that, 
then then you're being hamstrung and it's it's harder for you it's to make decisions. It's not acceptable. It is just it's unacceptable at this point in time. I agree. Yeah. And there's a lot of folks out there that allow that level of, of sophistication. Do Anyone? not settle. Yeah. I think that's going to be the the theme throughout this episode is it it's you know, don't settle. Good enough isn't good enough anymore. We're in 2020. This is a new decade, unless you're Pete and you don't think it's a new decade. So whether you're, you know, a small independent ho- hotel or you're the Beast Weaston corporate, <laughs> then, then you know, don't settle for subpar analytics. It's just... It's not okay. It's not okay. So then let's say you've got that straightened out. You need to find out how long will this actually take to implement? Will it be more or less than your lifetime? Because, <laughs> again, again, this should be really simple, and it should be quick, and it should not take months. Like like the first few options you mentioned. Do I just provide you with a number? Can I have the tag manager right. container? What What's the easiest way to go about this? You know, And if I actually have to provide you with everything, how long is it going to take you to implement it? That Those are the type of questions you need to be asking. Yeah, and I think it's symptomatic of a bigger problem, like a philosophical approach to the booking engine. If if your booking engine provider doesn't think that way, they haven't produced a product that allows all of their customers to implement analytics very simply and easily and scalably, then scalably a word? It is now. It is now. Um, then, then they're obviously not thinking about it from your perspective. All they're doing is hacking a code and creating a product based on what, you know, a whim or as they go. You you've got to have a provider that is really thinking long term about what are you what are the customer needs going to be and how do I make it easy as possible for the customer, i.e. the hotel, to do what they need to do. Analytics is a fundamental pillar of a good booking engine. So if they don't make that easy, if they make that take time and cost money, they're really not thinking it through. And it's not just going to be where analytics where that shows up. That's going to be symptomatic of a bigger problem. You're going to see throughout every request that you make with the booking engine provider. So that leads us to the next question. So let's pretend we got all the scripts and all the things working. Well, now that we have all this, what are you tracking? Is it just page views to your booking engine? Because how many times do I need to say this? Can you put that in the bank, Melissa? You cannot put that in the bank, Stuart. You cannot put page views nor traffic in a bank. Hmm. So hopefully, at least you have some basic e-commerce tracking. But what about all the other stuff going on in your booking engine? Can you track the dates that were actually booked? Can you track the dates that were searched? Can you track the package name, the room type? What else can you track? What rate was returned, important? whether it was not available. You know, there's a lot of things. The booking window. There's all kinds of insights you can get from the behavior on the booking engine. Not not just demand, but, you know, what, what was causing decisions. Those kind you of know, things. this brings me back to a couple years ago. It's one of my proudest moments in this job as a website analyst where we found that the just conversion rate had just tanked for a client. We dug into the data and we found out that the client had just sort of forgotten to put in rates after a certain date. So all the search results were coming back with zero rooms returned. And we found that data. It's like, why is 90% of your searches coming back with zero rooms? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there are no rates. Yeah. So if you looked at that data without the full picture, if you didn't have dates associated with that, you wouldn't know that it was isolated to a specific period. It would have taken you a lot longer, if ever, to to figure that out. You know, you'd have to stumble upon it. And and, and it affects, you know, my team stuff that we do as well on the marketing side. And we could we could send all of this traffic to the booking engine when something like that's happening. It looks like marketing's not working. Yeah, and you, you suck. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, 
I don't suck. Maybe your booking <laughs> engine sucks. <laughs> Alrighty. Next up is, does the engine accurately attribute revenue to the correct source? Now, this is a mixed bag question because this is both front end and back end of you know the booking engine and the front end of the website working together, but everything should work together and you should be able to track that revenue back to its original source. Yeah, if, if 50% of your bookings are coming from your own domain it's wrong in analytics they and did the rest not, is direct yeah they didn't set it up right <laughs> it so. is wrong and then next up is do you have the ability and this is very important do you have the ability to add custom tracking pixels whatever those might be it could be from google ads it could be from facebook it could be from sojourn it could be from whatever there's a variety of tracking pixels that need to get added to websites. Can those be added? And if so, hopefully the answer is yes. How does it happen? Do you get backend access? Do we send you the scripts? Or again, ideally, is there tag manager access? Yeah, and, and, and not just being able to put one tracking pixel on, but being able to sophisticatedly put on a tracking pixel and a conversion pixel so that if you are running something like a Sojourn or something where they're generating traffic and want to track actual revenue that they contributed, then you can discern that. So it's a different pixel on the confirmation page than it is perhaps in the search itself. And then the million-dollar question, quite I smell, literally. I smell buttons burning already. Mm-hmm. How much your foot ready, Alyssa, is this going to cost? <laughs> is it a per tag cost? Per tag per year? <laughs> or is it free because you have Tag Manager and you can just take the four minutes and put it in yourself? She's trying so hard to say this with a smile on her face. I know. Okay, You're staying fairly positive. Yeah, it's, you're kind of gritting your teeth when you smile a little okay. bit. Right? I have to play devil's advocate here, though, because with the third parties that we have worked with that have suggested a per tag fee or a per tag per year fee, they have alternative, alternatively offered Tag Manager as a free solution. I agree with you. So while not everyone is intelligent enough to implement via Tag Manager... <laughs> They at least you just call our audience dumb. I can, you so did? here's the thing. I am totally on board with if, yes, if you've been given access to Tag Manager and you still choose to send a script to have them implement, yes, that should cost you something. But not every freaking year. Come on. Yeah, an annualized cost for something that was a one-time change, I, I just it's, fundamentally disagree with. I think that's that's gouging for sure. And big guys, the big guys do that. And that's, you know. I don't think that's fair. And it's pretty hefty. It's typically in the hundreds, at least 200 and up. Mm-hmm. For something that happens once, and then you get charged every year. Copy and yeah. paste. So it's, you know what. I will say, though, again, playing devil's advocate, there's much better user support for the companies that are charging per tag or per year. For sure. Which we will get to. But And, and I don't have a problem with people charging for, for doing something, right? It's their business. They should. I mean, we, we at Fuel just have a philosophy that we're not going to nickel and dime clients, which is why we don't charge for changes to analytics. That's why we don't things. suck. That's why we, well, one of the reasons. <laughs> um, and, but to Melissa's point, I think if it's, it's a, if it's a four-minute thing for someone to do, and, and they probably got overhead and bloat and process, so maybe a four-minute actual change turns into a 30-minute ordeal, sure. right? Because they got to add a project and a, 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 whatever and bill it. Okay, charge a hundred bucks. Charge two hundred bucks. I, I, 
I mean, is that too much? Probably, but I can understand it. I can I can get behind that. But don't charge me two hundred bucks a Every year, year for something that's been done, and then and then ten years later, I've spent a thousand dollars on something that took someone four minutes. I just I don't think that's fair, and that's what the big guys are doing. So, yeah, that's why we're telling you to ask those type of questions. Yeah, for sure. But but ideally, like you said, empower the the consumer, i.e., the hotel, to do it. And if they can't do it, have their partner, their agency partner do it. So. Yes. Our next up is a little more complicated, but can you support correct tracking of a global search engine and separate engines associated with that global search engine? Yeah, so this is kind of a... This is a unique... It is, right? Not situ- everyone has this situation, right? right? But if, if you're a group of properties, our recommendation is you should have a portal site you know, that, that hosts or houses all of your properties so someone can search across all your inventory. But you should also, depending on your situation, if it, especially if it's independent, you should have individual property sites as well. So, so basically, if I had the, the Beast Weaster in Myrtle Beach <laughs> and the Beast Weaster in Panama City Beach, then the, the Myrtle Beach property would be both on the portal site and it, you could also go to Myrtle Beach Beast Weaster. What if you just had right. 10 Beast Weasters in Panama City? Right. It's same thing, same. right? Each Beast Weaster Grand and Beast Weaster Legacy and Beast Weaster Supreme, they would all have their own individual sites. But Beast Weaster Master Site would, would also be a site. So each book, each property can essentially get booked at, at two locations, right? Two, two independent booking experiences that you want to identify and track independently yes most booking engines don't allow that right they're gonna have one booking engine per property in it's a mess it creates a lot of problems you can't track our sources you can't differentiate which site it was booked on you can't um split out revenue between properties and portal it's it's just a challenge so and it's not it's not a difficult thing to accomplish it's just that i think it's because it's such a unique situation although a lot of our clients are in that situation it's, it's the type of properties we work with mostly um I, I don't think that these big guys have spent any time really thinking it through or trying to solve the problem yeah yeah and so that comes to the next question and i really don't want to make this more sound more simple than it is because this is it, it's not simple but it should be so the question is, if you have a question, if you need help with this, is there a single point of contact at the booking company that can help you with all this information? Or will you literally need a team of rocket scientists and brain surgeons to figure it out? Yeah, it, it's a challenge, right? I, I'm kind of torn on this one because you know, as, as companies scale, they, they kind of compartmentalize more. It's it's natural, right? They have people that are experts in in a, in a slither of what they do overall. So, I've sat on those calls where there's ten different people from the the vendor trying to figure out the solution, and no, not one person on the phone has all of the information that's needed to solve the problem. Yeah, and it's it's a challenge. So that that you know that's that's one of the sacrifices I think you make going with one of these large scale providers is you, you don't have a maven like a Melissa Kavanaugh caveat button burner <laughs> that's going to be able to figure it out and solve the problem for you. But simplifying it even further, is there someone that you're going to receive a response from? Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about support in a minute. I think, I think that's 
really, really important is do you have an internal champion that you can turn to for whatever? And we'll dig into that in a little bit. All right. So let's say now all your analytics problems are solved and everything is working as it should be because that happens all the time. (laughs) Next up is asking really objectively what the booking engine experience is like from a user experience, not from your experience, from your guest experience. So really take a step back, be objective and ask, does the booking engine not suck and if if you if you don't feel like you can do that then have focus groups you know do user testing get real people to try to use your booking experience and and compare it side by side with expedia booking.com other booking experiences other hotels yeah i mean yeah this is this is one thing that we get trapped up in a lot where you know you become so used to the experience you see every day because you're working on it all the time and you can't really make an objective decision because you know exactly how everything's supposed to work so you follow those steps you know what the words mean where the buttons are what you're supposed to do you you you're you know an audience that isn't typical of your consumer and like like Stuart said you can use a user testing or if you don't want to pay for something like that Ask a friend who's maybe never used your system. Yeah, mine, and she doesn't listen to the show, so I can totally throw her under the bus, but my wife is my test audience. When there's something I'm not sure about and I want to see how a non-technical layman interacts with it, I'll get my wife to do it because she's not a technical person. and She sees things completely different than I do. So she's my audience. But So there's a stat. So seeing as we cited those, what was the name of that company earlier we cited? Their, their technology study? Oh, Fuel. Fuel. That, that's yeah. right. They did another study last year called a leisure, a leisure travel study or a leisure travel study um, where they, they polled two, over 2,000 North American leisure travelers. And 87% of people said that they visit the hotel website prior to booking. 87, right? So regardless of whether they go on, on the book over the phone, they book on an OTA, 87% of people are visiting the hotel website. So you have a really good opportunity to convert that person to a booking. You mean to get someone into your booking engine experience? Well, well one, to get them to, to search, right, and make a, a search, but to, to push them all the way through, nudge them through that funnel all the way to, to booking. You have a really good opportunity for that. 87% of people. Now you can. That means you can reduce your reliance on OTAs. You can reduce the number of people calling you, if you do a better job with your booking engine experience. And here's what we should look for objectively to see if this is something your booking engine does. So is it obvious to the user how to continue to the next step of the process? Yeah, and or get back to a previous step. Yes. Right. Sometimes you can't get back to the homepage. So one, one of my biggest bugaboos in websites is that hotels think that because Amazon has changed their cart experience to remove everything that they should do it as a hotel Mm -hmm. as well shopping for widgets on Amazon is is different the the psychology of it the process of it the 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 questions being asked the friction that's there is completely different than someone booking a vacation well how many times you go on Amazon and buy multiple things yeah a lot right when you buy buy a hotel room it's typically one and done Right. And, and on Amazon, it's a linear process, right? Because there's, you're not having doubts and second guesses the same way you are with a $500 or $1,000 investment on a, on a hotel that you're booking once or twice or three times a year. So we see, if you look at your analytics, what you'll see is people don't get into the booking engine and just keep going all the way through until they stop. What they'll do is they'll get into the booking engine and shop. And then they'll go look at the accommodations pages. And then they'll do another 
search and then they might go to the amenities pages and they're, they're jumping around because they're researching they're trying to eliminate doubt and they're trying to answer questions so to, to remove the ability for people to choose what to do is is a bad user experience also a bad user experience if your booking engine doesn't have the same look and feel as the front end of your website don't do that yeah or if it doesn't live on the same domain as the rest of of your website yeah so many of these big guys the, the booking engine experience is a bad facsimile at best it's it's a jolt to the system at worst where it looks fundamentally different other than the logo staying the same nothing else is the same that that is terrible user experience. It feels like you're getting scammed sometimes when it's yeah. so drastically different. Yeah. Anytime you introduce the the potential for doubt in the booking process, you're doing it wrong. Would you call that friction? I I would call that friction, Phil. Thanks for pointing that out. That would be exactly what I would call it. Um, but there's there's no need today. The modern booking engines that that are updated regularly and don't you know have the same UI that they had. 10 years ago, they're going to live within your URL. So instead of it being booking.mybookingenginprovider.com slash hotel123, it's going to be mydomain.com slash reservations. So that's number one. And two, they're going to inherit the look and feel of your website identically. So there's, there's no no difference between the accommodations page and the booking engine look and feel. It's going to be the exact same. Font's going to be the same. Color's going to be the same. Navigation's going to be the same. Everything's going to be the same. And that's what it should be for the consumer. Anything less than that is not acceptable. Agreed. Also not acceptable is if there isn't a kick-ass mobile experience. It has to be a great mobile experience. It's 2020, folks. Go look at your analytics right now. Pull up your Google, even though they're the enemy, they still provide good data. And look at how what percentage of your traffic is mobile. And then look at what percentage of your re- online revenue is mobile. And if there's a major disparity between them, it isn't because consumer behavior is the way it is and we just accept it as the status quo it's because your booking engine sucks you're you're making it again too much friction on a mobile device mm-hmm. to get through the process from the website into the booking engine to entering that credit card information and getting a confirmation somewhere in there if your mobile revenue is way down but your mobile traffic's up somewhere in that process you have to figure out you know where is that friction coming from Right. There's still this this notion, and I just I just disagree with it fundamentally that people choose to shop on their phone and then book on their desktop or laptop. I just now, think it's counterintuitive to every everything else humans do. It, we know that a lot of people will, and it still proves right that people start their process on on a phone. Some people don't feel comfortable booking on their phone, but that's becoming less and less and less and it's less. It's shrinking to almost zero. You know, we do everything on our phone. We we check our bank accounts. We we send money to people via Venmo. You know, we do everything on our phone. So the notion that the, the people don't feel like it's secure is nonsense. It's asinine. Yeah. And we have data to back that up. We have dozens of properties now on the fuel booking engine that the the mobile booking is close to, if not flat, with the conversion rates with the desktop. Right. So we we know that more than fifty percent of people are now willing to book on mobile 
in a lot of cases. The so. only the only time I see this where someone might it, I'm not saying they're not comfortable, but they initiated their process, got through, figured out how much it was really going to cost them. Maybe didn't complete the booking, went home, spoke to the wife, said, "All right, should we book this?" and then sure. they're on their computer looking at it together. It's not that they weren't comfortable with the phone. So, sure. there, there, the there are case. situations, right? I, I don't deny that, but it's still, you know, if I've gone through the hassle on my phone to then go and pull out my laptop and, and do the same exact search that I did is just it's counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. It's and it's not how consumers are behaving. We have the data to back it up. So if you're seeing a massive if you have more than fifty percent of traffic from mobile and less than fifty percent of your bookings on mobile, your booking engine sucks. Plain and simple. You need a new booking engine. Especially on mobile. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna run through these next couple things because otherwise we're not gonna get through all of them. Um, other parts of the user experience. Is the search functionality super fast? Are you getting rooms returned? Or does the person have to sit there and wait for 30, 60, 90 seconds? And, and if maybe there's no availability, are you giving them options? Are you showing them a calendar? Something like that to, so they don't run into a roadblock. Is the date picker intuitive and mobile friendly? It's a big one. Can I tell which dates are actually available versus which ones are not available? Is yeah, that Yeah, we just clear? had that happen. And can I have flexible dates if i choose to where you can show me on a calendar the rates you know just make it easy for the guest and then these are sort of more optional but really not you know like does does it have a mo a, a favorite slash compare feature is there urgency in social proof messaging does it allow the guests to see the best rates and packages with minimum effort yeah, and that, those are like niceties and bells and whistles to a lot of people, like not necessarily essential. But I will say this, you know, we do a lot of A-B testing on our booking experience and our websites in general. In psych- introducing psychology into the process, just like the OTAs do, makes a huge difference in the conversion rate. So just the concept, like you said, of social proof, saying that this many people have already booked this room, or urgency, there's only one room left of this type for these dates – those kind of psychological um, influences are going to have a massive impact over time on your revenue because they nudge people through that funnel and make it more likely that each individual that comes to you is more likely to book. Each one of those 87% of people that visit your website is more likely to book. Right. So now let's say you've determined that the booking engine experience doesn't suck. Now we need to look at other factors about the booking engine provider. And we're talking about support, technology support from your provider. So do you have a dedicated contact person who knows your business and is responsive to your requests? Yeah, and do they have your business's interest at heart? Are they going to be proactive? Are they just a software provider or is this a true partner where they're going to provide you with insight into your data? Are they going to provide you with ideas and, and you know tell you things you can do to improve the experience for your guest and to drive more revenue. And what's the process to get technical support and does that happen quickly? Yeah, if you can't pick up the phone and talk to someone, if you have to go through some help desk every time there's any kind of issue, I think it's time to reevaluate the the relationship. And are you getting nickeled and dimed at every request? Mm. 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 Keep going. I have no comments. I have lots of comments, but not yeah. How about our updates to the system included in the price and how often are features added? Yeah. 
there's a lot of systems out there that are just antiquated and don't get updated and you know if you still have the same booking engine you had five years ago and it looks and feels and behaves the same guess what consumer behavior has changed you know devices have changed expectations have changed in the last five years if if your booking engine isn't continuing to evolve again the good the newer vendors the the vendors that are doing it the right way are rolling out updates on a constant basis. You know, here at Fuel, we every Tuesday, there's new features, new functionality added to our booking engine every single Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so ask that question. What features are on the roadmap? And can you provide input? Can you make requests for features? I sit on client meetings all the time where somebody says, hey, we'd really like to do this. And you know what Fuel says? Let me look at that and see if that's feasible. And if it probably is coming from one client, it probably means that multiple clients could probably need the same thing. Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at our products over the years, I think one of the things that's really helped us stay cutting edge and innovate is listening to our customers in, in understanding that they see things from a different perspective from us. You know, when we're planning a product roadmap, a lot of times that's developers that have trying to figure that out you know sure you have ui people and and marketers involved in the conversation but primarily that they're looking at it from an architecture standpoint from an you know efficiency standpoint we're not right so we understand a lot about hoteling but we're not uh, boots on the ground we're not necessarily listening to the guests all the time so we're very acutely aware of the need to listen to our customers to understand what the demands are what the challenges are where the friction points are and and try to figure out ways we can solve those problems because that's really at the end of the day what software should be it should be a tool that solves problems and doesn't add new friction points more about the friction yeah so are there any other fees or charges and are you locked into a long-term contract yeah don't sign any software this is don't sign a two-year contract. If, if you're looking at a provider, unless there's an, a, an, a financial or some other advantage to you for doing that, right? If it's a product that says, hey, you can go month to month and it's you know $100 a month, but if you go two-year contract, it's only $50 a month. Financially, that might make sense to you. You're giving something up to, to get, a, get a deal. But if the only option with that provider is a two- or three-year con- contract and you're locked in and there's no way out, Technology is changing so quickly. Three years from now, websites might not even be your biggest revenue generator. Google might be, you know. So you don't want to get locked into something from a technology standpoint, especially online technology, that's going to hamstring you in the future, especially three years from now. we None of us know what it's going to be like in three years. We'd like to think so. Mm. We don't know. I don't know. All right, so now you've got your support figured out. Now you need to figure out, does your booking engine play well with others? Like who? You know, like Google. <laughs> we we might want to play well with Google. I mean, can I put tracking codes on there? Can I uh, can I open Google Hotel ads and, and run rates through that and, and through TripAdvisor? You know, those two sort of important. Yeah, and some people, people. try to tackle that through the um, through the channel management solution or CRS or something like that. I don't I don't think that's the way you want to do it because a lot of those don't offer you the flexibility from a rate management perspective or, or packaging rate code perspective that your booking engine should. You know, and, and then so that kind of leads to another person that your booking engine should play nice with and that is the PMS. To to me a booking engine shouldn't be part of your CRS. It should be a direct connect to the PMS, a two way interface. A lot of booking engines, especially the older ones They'll connect to the PMS through like an OTA connection, 
It's usually a one-way push or something like that. So it limits your ability. You're not necessarily able to yield rates. Um, you're not necessarily able to be cute with the inventory and offer different kind of restrictions for different rate codes, things like that. So in every case that we deploy a booking engine, we, we require that we're directly integrated with the PMS with a two-way interface. So we're, we're getting the same rates and inventory and the same flexibility that the reservationists would get if they were looking directly in the PMS. And that allows us to do some cool things like, and I was talking to someone this week about this, and we don't tout this as a feature, but it's pretty powerful. But we can search through five or ten rate codes in a, when someone does a search and find the cheapest, the lowest available. If you've got just an OTA connection, you can't necessarily do that. You have a rack or a bar rate, and that's what's pushed out to these things, or you can choose what's pushed out. But hey, maybe you have six or seven rates that have different length of stay restrictions and different day of arrival restrictions. We'll let the booking engine search through all of those and find what's perfect for that specific guest, and then tell the guest, hey, we found the perfect rate for you, it's this package which has this restriction, but it matches your criteria, and it's $50 or $100 less than the, the rack rate would have been or what you're going to get if you go and search on an OTA or something. All right. Next question is kind of maybe a little bit important that you might want to ask yourself and or your booking engine provider, and that is, will your booking engine get you sued? <laughs> it's possible. It's today. possible. Mm. It's literally possible that your booking engine could cause you a lawsuit because does it meet all of the things that I can't pronounce standards? <laughs> you mean WCAG? WCAG, Kukapa, get a purr. So there's a lot of regulation coming into the industry, right? And in, in, in rightfully so because marketers or humans have ruined everything. So we need laws to, to prevent it. So going through some of those. So WCAG, we... we advise people, although we're not attorneys, it's not legal advice, we, we advise our clients that they should be WCAG 2.1 AA compliant or standards compliant, uh, which basically means that your website is accessible to people with disabilities, you know, visually impaired, they're using screen readers, things like that. Now, you can have the best website in the world and invest all the money to get yourself to that point, but if your booking engine isn't compliant, then the booking experience is not compliant and you now you're discriminating and now you're going to get a lawsuit. There are, to my knowledge, other than the fuel booking engine, I don't know any other booking engines that are even remotely close to being WCAG 2.1 AA compliant. When we've spoken with some of our clients that are using some of the big guys and we've had those conversations, we've had people say, yeah, it's a Q4 2020 project, We've had people saying that it's a 2021 project. There's a good chance if you're using one of the big booking engine providers out there that right now you are not quote unquote ADA compliant and you are you are very, um, you have a lot of risk right now in terms of lawsuits. But more importantly, you're discriminating against people that have disabilities that want to come stay at your property. And that's just not, that's not ethically or morally right. You shouldn't be doing that. And even though it's not your technology, you don't own the technology, you are using the technology yep. on your website yep. for and your then, product. And then the same could be said for GDPR or CCPA or any of the other 
regulations related to data that are going to be coming out. We talk, we had an episode a few weeks ago where we talked about CCPA specifically. And, and in that, we talked, there's over 20 different states in the U.S. right now looking to introduce their own legislation. So you have to have a provider that's up to date on this stuff, that is adhering to those standards. Otherwise, again, you, you get sued. And, and beyond getting sued, you know, with, with a lawsuit like um, with, with ADA, you can probably get one individual that's going to come to you and say, hey, I couldn't book on this date. With CCPA, the risk is if you're doing stuff with the data that you shouldn't be, people, they, you're at risk for a class action lawsuit. If you get a class action lawsuit and everyone claims damages, you could be out of business. It's that simple. And then, And then the next level is... PCI, there are still a lot of folks that their booking engine experience, their online ability to take credit cards is not PCI compliant. And that boggles Which is kind of crazy. Mind. That's been forever ago. Mm-hmm. You're the reason why people go back to their desktop. <laughs> but but if the mobile's kidding. not working, the desktop's not either, you know? So, yeah, you got to be compliant and in all those things because it's the right thing to do and because you could be out of business if you don't. And it blows my mind how many of the big guys don't follow some of these regulations. It's insane. It's insane. And they get away with it because they, you know, they are who they are. For now. Yeah. We're coming for you guys. Be warned. You're on notice. So basically the takeaway of this episode is question number six. Does your booking engine not suck? Yeah. That's it. If your booking engine doesn't suck. Stay where you Stay are. where you are if you're happy, you know. But if if you can't answer in the affirmative on a lot of these questions that we've asked, I think it's time you started either an RFP process or you started reaching out to providers out there. And, or simply and just start comparing people. your your process versus versus others. You know, yeah. find out where where your holes are, where your friction points are, and decide what it is you need. Yeah, that you don't currently have. And here's the thing, right? We, we talked a lot about the, the booking engine and how important it is. If you can just improve your booking engine performance by 10% and not get sued and have people that support you. So say now everything you do is going to be 10% more effective. That means you know the ads you run on Google are going to generate 10% more revenue. It, it means that every email you send out is potentially going to generate 10% more revenue. It means that you're going to capture 10% more of the 87% of people that come to your website and reduce the number of people that go to the OTAs and book. You you are competing against the Googles of the world, the Expedia's of the world, the bookings of the .coms of the world, as well as the, the hotel next door. Your booking engine is the mousetrap, the cornerstone of your entire marketing strategy. In in far too often, people just assume it's good enough, and it it works. Because I can go in there and make a reservation so it works. And they settle for that. Don't settle. You know, find a booking engine that doesn't suck. Doesn't have to be fuels, although we'd love it for you to consider us. But go look at your booking engine and you can do better in 2020. All right. We don't have an actual listener question. However, I would like to ask a listener question. Are you, are because you I communicate the, the with listener? so many clients okay. on a daily basis. Okay. This is an advice question. It's a tough one. Okay. We and this a, is, this hasn't been practiced, so we're we're all looking at Alyssa spot. like, holy. Crap. What are you bringing what to the table right now? 
From a marketer's perspective, a lot of our clients are very intelligent and they may agree with everything that we've said today. It's fantastic information. However, they're not always the end decision maker. So what is your advice to someone who's boss or property owner that may not be the marketer? Uh, what is your advice for someone that wants to go with a cheaper option? Yeah, I think you've got to look that at may it. sacrifice. Yeah, and we get that, right? Sometimes people will go with the, the PMS's booking engine because it's the cheap option and it's bundled in with the price. Or, or maybe it's free, you know, because they're buying that PMS. I think, I think for me, I always appeal to owners in, in, you know, people, the money people with a money argument. And, and there's two ways to, to go at it. One is the compliance angle, right? So talk to them about the risk of not being PCI compliant, of not being ADA compliant, of not being GDPR compliant, right? And, and talk to them in real terms about what that risk is. How much money is that going to cost them? And, and cite articles and show them evidence of people that are literally getting sued every day by these. So I think that's one compelling argument. Owners do not like risk, and there's a lot of risk involved in that. And the other is compile an ROI of the current booking engine and then try to estimate or get data from the provider that you're looking at of what would a likely conversion rate increase be from where I am today and where I can be. What would that mean to my bottom line? Like how much profit is that going to drive to my business? How much is it going to reduce my commissions to OTAs? And just formulate a, a you know, an intelligent salient argument based on real facts and data. That would be my approach. Yeah, you could use the stats we talked about earlier for, you know, how many people are dropping off, how many mobile users are dropping off. Um, you can you can point out stats like that too. Yeah, and, and I would stay away. You know, I don't think you're going to make that argument and win it from an emotional perspective. I think it's tough. You know, in my experience, when I've tried to compel someone, hey, look at your experience side by side with mine and, and try to show them the aesthetics or, or the experience of it difference. Like, hey, theirs is going in a new tab on mobile and ours is staying in the same window. That doesn't really mean anything to them. You know, they they don't they can't put that in the bank, as Melissa would say. So I think you've got to you've got to go at it from a financial perspective when you're dealing with owners. That was a good question. Alyssa. And tell them to listen to this episode. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good good piece of advice. Tell them to listen to every episode because we're full of sage advice. And read our show notes. Yeah. <laughs> Share them. Yeah. So speaking of show notes, you can get those for today's episode with links and citations and whatnot from uh, fueltravel.com slash podcast, and you can click on episode 131. And then I do want to give one final shameless plug for the upcoming HSMAI marketing conference in New York on January 23rd. You've only got about a week to go and book your tickets it's almost sold out so you you better hurry up again we have a promo code so if you're a fuel listener you can get fifty dollars off the, the fee for that conference it's the, the we'll put the code in the show notes as well but the code is fuel 2020 so fuel 2020 uh, if you put that on you get fifty dollars off your your um, ticket to the conference it is a great conference the lineup is phenomenal whether you're an independent whether you're a flag property whether you're small whether you're you know a large management group everyone will get something out of this and if 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 you don't then come see me and i'll give you a free handshake and maybe even a free bottle opener with a fuel logo on it so 
But you, you would love it. So it's in New York. It's at the Marriott Marquis. It's on January 23rd, so just over a week. But you should definitely check it out. And if you're already going, come tell me, hey, we'll be there. I'll be walking around. We Fuel has a little booth there. And um, I'll be speaking the day before the conference, too, at the resort um, roundtable as well. So it, it's one of my favorite events of the year. So you should definitely check that out. Cool. Have it. So was I too ranty? No. I was I was surprised. I feel like we oversold the audience on how ranty you would get. Well, had we recorded this like a month ago, it would have been a different Well, to, to be fair, I, I did put hanging in the office. Yeah, I did put you on timeout for about 3 3 weeks yeah. after you wrote the notes up for this show because yes. I felt like you needed a cool down period. This is like, you know, when you go to buy a gun and there's a 48 hour cool down or whatever. It, we had to do that with Melissa for this episode. But but the thing is, is that Watch it's out, because I care, I care about our clients. And our clients should not have to go through the pain and torture that has that we have seen recently. That's all. I agree 100%. I, I want to make it better for our clients. Yeah. And, and that really is genuine. I, I, I've worked with you for a decade. And it's, you know, I think every time you've gotten your buttons burned, it's been because you want something better for the the customer and ultimately the customer our customers guests as well so right. yeah and that's what it's about it's about caring about people that's why we're in the hospitality business yeah we're hospitable we are we're not yeah it's not the hostility business it's the hospitality business all right so phil people want to find out more about you and what you have going on in your life where can they do that uh on twitter at p Fariska, p-f-o-r-i-s-k-a and melissa I'm on Twitter at M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And Alyssa. On Twitter at Alyssa Fate, A-L-Y-S-S-A-F-A-T-E. And you can find me at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. Again, you can get the notes to today's show, fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 131. If you want to learn more about the Fuel Booking Engine, just go to our website, fueltravel.com. Click right there on the software tab, and there's a booking engine link. You can request a demo if you're interested. But you know, if if we're not the right booking engine for you, that's fine. Just we encourage you to go shop around, look at what's out there. It may cost you an extra fifty or hundred bucks a month or something, but it will certainly repay you from an ROI perspective and make you a better property, better experience for your guest. If you do have a booking engine that sucks, so doesn't suck. If if you have one that sucks now, oh, yes. it will make you, right? There you go. It made sense in my head. So <laughs> thanks again to Navis for, for fueling this fuel award-winning fuel podcast. We deli- enjoyed your delicious wine. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. You proud of yourself? I am. Yeah. You should be. <laughs>